You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Welcome out. It's so fantastic to have you joining us. I just want to say a massive welcome to you. If you're joining online for the first time, we love you. We're so excited that you've come and you're joining us and you're tuning in in our service today. You know, it was a few years ago and and I was doing my supermarket shopping and I threw in my uh, shopping trolley a bag of pre-packed apples. And then I got my shopping home and I unpacked everything and just unpacking all of my groceries. And I got to my bag of apples and I went to open them up to put them in the fruit bowl. And what I realised is that every single one of my apples was completely rotten through. All of the apples where they had been touching, but I couldn't see, were completely rotten. Now, I'm not talking just bruised. I'm talking these apples were rotten. So I jumped straight back in my car to go down to the supermarket to return these apples and get some new ones. And I get to the information desk and I hand over my apples and I say, these apples are completely rotten. Can I please get a replacement? She says, sure, go and get a fresh bag of apples and bring them back to the desk. And when I get back to the desk and I show her that I've got a new bag, she hands over the $4 I originally paid for the apples. I said, what's this? What are you doing? She said, well, we have a policy here and it's called our repay and replace policy. So you don't just get your bag of apples replaced, you get your money back. Well, you can imagine how stoked I was to be leaving the supermarket with extra coins in my pocket. There was a skip in my step as I walked out with a fresh bag of apples and my money returned. Now, that's my kind of policy. Repay and replace. I like that policy. Now, I don't know whether many of you have ever felt like you've been dealt a dud in life. You know, one of those days, one of those circumstances, one of those situations in life where, look, you actually just wanna go back and get a refund. Can I send this back to somebody? Can I send this back to where I came from? In fact, I think most of us are looking at 2020 and we're like, I don't want this. This is not what I ordered. This is not what I signed up for. Is there a return to sender? Is there a refund policy on 2020? Can we get this thing and send it right back? Look, I don't know what it is in your life that's just not shaping up how you hoped it would. I'm not sure what situation or moment or decision you wish you could send back and get a full refund or replacement. But I wanna speak to you from the topic today of God's return policy. God's return policy because the supermarket may have a repay and replace policy, but my God has an even greater policy that I wanna talk to you about today. And in kingdom language, I think He would say that it is His redeem and restore policy. And this is the kind of policy that I think He's been doing since the very beginning of time. I think He has had this this redeem and restore policy for as long as can be. And I wanna let you know today that you may have been dealt a dud in your life. There may be circumstances and situations that you didn't sign up for, but we serve a God who deals with redemption and restoration. And I wanna tell you all about it today through a particular event that used to take place in Israel's history. Now it's an event that we don't really talk about uh, very often. It's not often that you hear it taught about in church. Uh, But I believe that this event, if we take a look at 
the heart of the event, I believe it frames much of the promises that we can stand on in our lives today. Now, I have to uh, give you a little bit of a disclaimer. I am not a biblical scholar, okay? I am not um, a theologian. I'm simply a Bible reader. And so my prayer is that I will be able to take this event and I'm just gonna put it into simple language that I understand and you understand. And I'm just believing that God is actually gonna speak something into your life today, uh, into your situation right where you are. I wanna speak to you today about an event called the Jubilee the Jubilee. And we're gonna look in Leviticus 25. We're gonna start at verse one, where it says, the Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, says, speak to the Israelites and tell them, when you enter the land I'm giving you, the land will observe a Sabbath to the Lord. You may sow your field for six years and you may prune your vineyard and gather its produce for six years, but there will be a Sabbath of complete rest for the land in the seventh year, a Sabbath to the Lord. You are not to sow your field or prune your vineyard. You are not to reap what grows by itself from the crop or harvest the grapes of your untended vines. It will be a year of complete rest for the land. Then we read on a few verses down and verse eight will continue where it says, you had to count seven sabbatical years, seven times seven years, so that the time period of the seven sabbatical years amounts to 49, so 49 years. Then you are to sound a trumpet loudly in the seventh month on the 10th day of the month. You will sound it throughout the land on the day of atonement. You are to consecrate the 50th year and proclaim freedom in the land for all its inhabitants. It will be your jubilee, which when each of you is to return to his property and each of you to his clan. The Jubilee year. Now, let's take a look for a moment at what this is actually saying, what is actually happening here. See, God was commanding them to every seven years in the seventh year, there was to be a Sabbath year. So they were to take a sabbatical, which meant that for that entire year, for the seventh year, they were not to work the land. There was to be no work on the land. They couldn't work on their land, neither could their slaves or their servants. They had to be at complete rest. Basically, it meant that you couldn't work the land to get the food that you needed. You had to basically live off what you had already harvested from the previous years. It was essentially an extension of what you and I are probably more familiar with, which is the idea of the Sabbath day, the day of rest, but this was an entire year of rest. So there's the Sabbath year. And then they would also celebrate a day called the Day of Atonement. Now the Day of Atonement took place each year in the 10th day of the seventh month, there was a day called the Day of Atonement where it was a day of complete rest for the people. But also on that day, the priest would bring atonement. He would bring a sin offering for the sins of the people. So there was a Sabbath year and there was a Day of Atonement. And then there was this event. So after seven Sabbath years, so seven times seven, which means basically on the 49th year, so we've gone 49 years, and then on the Day of Atonement on that 49th year, a trumpet would blow. And that would signify the start of the Jubilee year, year 
50. Now, the Jubilee year was a phenomenal concept and I have absolutely loved learning about this because it's not just about working from, resting from work, which we know the Sabbath to be. And it's not just about uh, atonement or forgiveness of sin. No, this is taking the Sabbath. This is taking what we know of atonement and it's taking it to a whole nother level. This Jubilee year, it saw the forgiveness of all debt. All debt was wiped clean. Absolutely amazing. We also saw in the Jubilee year that the slave Slaves were set free. They were no longer in debt to their master. But I think what was most significant in the year of the Jubilee was that this was called a redemption year. We see this incredible thing take place where there was a returning of all that was once theirs. So if a person had lost their land uh, due to debt, it was returned to them in the Jubilee year. If a person had lost their land due to famine, it was returned to them in the Jubilee year. If a person had lost their land uh, because they were cheated out of it, it was returned to them in the Jubilee year. See, the Jubilee year was the ultimate of repay and replace policies. It was God's ultimate redemption and restoration plan for them in that season. It was more than just rest. It was more than just atonement or forgiveness of freedom from debt. It was a beautiful picture of restoration and redemption. And then we read something else later on in Isaiah 61. In Isaiah 61, we're introduced to a different kind of jubilee. And this is one that we should get very excited about because it's not describing the kind of jubilee that we wait for every 50 years, no. It's describing the kind of jubilee that can actually take place every single day. And do you know what this jubilee is called? In Isaiah 61, it titles it, The Messiah's Jubilee. And this really is God's ultimate restoration and redemption plan. Let me tell you about the Messiah's Jubilee. In Isaiah 61 verse one, it starts off, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty for the captives, freedom for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and a day of God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who mourn in Zion to give a crown of beauty instead of ashes, festive oil instead of mourning and splendid clothes instead of despair. This was a message speaking about something that was to come that would change everything. The Messiah's Jubilee meant it took an event that was meant for one time, for one particular people group, the Israelites, for one place and time in history. And it opened the door for a Jubilee for all people at all times, everywhere. It meant that you and I can now have access to the same redeem and restore policy. Now, 
I'm not saying that you could go now to the house that you used to live in with your parents when you were a kid and knock on the door and say, okay guys, it's time for the Jubilee. Give me back my house. No, no, I'm not saying that you can go and demand the keys of anybody of your grandparents' house or your great grandparents' house. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I'm saying is there are actually a few things that we can be sure of because of this Messiah's Jubilee. And the first thing I wanna speak to you about today that we can be sure of is that we can be sure that it's a life disrupted by God. It's a life disrupted, disrupted by God. You know, there will be significant moments in your life where you can actually pinpoint, where you know that from that moment on, you are never the same again. Where something so significant takes place in your life that you just cannot go on living the same way that you once did, where you know your life is now changed forever. And I can remember, I can remember a significant moment in my life several years ago. And I know, I can testify to the fact that from that moment on, my life was changed, completely transformed. I knew that from that moment, I couldn't turn back anymore because something significant took place. And I knew that the moment I discovered online food shopping, I'd never be the same again. Like I couldn't go back online food shopping. I mean, life changed forever. Can I get an amen, anybody out there on the chat? Now I'm joking with that, but what I'm not joking about now is that you can't help but be left significantly different after you have an interaction, an encounter with Jesus in your life. I mean, when He comes into your life and enters your world, your world is left disrupted to the point where you just can't go on living the way you once did. And I want you to take a moment to just imagine what it would have been like for the Israelites as they were entering into a Jubilee year. Imagine the disruption the Jubilee would have brought. From one day to the next, their life would have been completely different. Some of them would have received a brand new start, like a, a completely fresh, clean slate, a new page to write their story again, only better. Some of them would have been enslaved and then all of a sudden they get this moment of freedom and they're free. They're no longer in debt to their master. They can be free to live their life. Some people would have lived in debt just surrounded and squashed down with a debt when all of a sudden from one day to the next, their debt would have been released from them and they would have come out from under the heavy yoke that they were carrying. Their lives would have been changed for the rest of their days. Just imagine the disruption this would have brought. And I want to encourage you today to let Christ disrupt your life. Let Christ disrupt your life. You know, when it comes um, to Jesus, when Jesus comes into our life, it should be like we've been hit by a Mack truck. You know it, that you've been hit by it and you know that your life is, you're never gonna be the same again after that. Because if you have a genuine encounter with the living God, you know that you can't keep living the way you once did. You can't keep living the way you once did when you experience a God who restores your relationship with your husband or your wife. You can't keep living the way you once did when you encounter a God who redeems a relationship that you've had with your kids 
kids where they come in and they take your brokenness and brings healing into your life. You just, you, you know that you're never gonna live the same again. It's impossible to stay the same when God comes into your world and He heals your body. He heals your mind. He heals your heart from sickness and disease. It's impossible to stay the same when you encounter a God who wipes the slate clean who takes your sin and your mistakes and your mess ups and all your failures and He gives you a brand new page to write your story again, completely paying your debt, saying that debt that you owed, you don't owe it anymore. You just can't go on living the same way when you've experienced that kind of God. Do you know what I think as a mum, you learn the art of learning how to ignore disruption I mean, I've learned how to ignore the disruption that goes on in my house, especially during lockdown when I'm surrounded by my children and I'm trying to get work done. I mean, I can be sitting in the living room working or even just reading a book or something and my kids are surrounding me and they're sword fighting and they're lightsaber fighting or they're wrestling and I've just learned to block it out. I've just learned to ignore all disruption and focus on what I need to get done. You know, I think somehow with all the noise and all the busyness and all the loud things that are trying to arrest our attention in the world and the society that we live in today, I think that too many of us have actually learnt to block out the voice of God in it all. I think we've learnt to block Him out as though He's an interruption to our life. And I think we don't even realise that we're doing it. But when it comes to God working in our life and when it comes to Him wanting to do something in us that will leave us changed forever, I think we need to retrain ourselves not to ignore the disruption that's going on around us, not to swat Him away like He's someone trying to interrupt or annoy us, but when God comes in and tries to speak to us that we would stop that we would listen, that we would hear, that we would respond, that we would allow Him to nudge us. So next time you feel that nudge, next time you feel that sense of, I should share my story or I should tell them about church or I should pray for that person or I should let them know I'm a Christian or I should talk to them about my faith and and what I believe and what I actually think about that situation according to God's Word or, or next time I feel that sense of, I should tell someone about what God spoke to me about this morning. Next time you feel that nudge, don't ignore it. Don't like swat it away. No, stop. Listen, respond, change, move. Next time you feel God trying to do a work in you, trying to draw you nearer, trying to just change something, trying to get into the inner workings of your head and your heart. Next time you feel Him, maybe convicting you, bringing, trying to bring some spotlight and some attention to an area that He wants to do work in. Maybe it's an attitude or maybe there's something going on in your life that's just not quite right and He just wants to bring an adjustment to you. Next time you feel that nudge, don't ignore it. Don't swat it away, but let that change come into your world in such a way that, yeah, it might disrupt you, but it will leave you changed 
for the better. Will you let Christ disrupt your life today? Here's the second thing we can be sure of with this this Messiah's Jubilee. We can be sure that we can always look forward with hope. We can always look forward with hope. Now, I've run a few long distance races um, in the last few years and uh, I'm not much of a runner, but I've done a few half marathons. And what I do know that's always guaranteed whenever you run a half marathon is that there are refuge stations or water stations along the way. And they're usually about five or six K, every five or six K there's a water station or a refuge station. And the thing about when you're running a long distance race and you know there's a water station coming at about two kilometres out from that water station, that refuse station, oh, you start to think about it. You really start to think about it. You're running along, you're feeling tired, you're in pain, you've got all sorts of niggles and pain going on. You're so, so exhausted. You're getting to the point where you're starting to think to yourself, I should just stop, I'm ready to give up. And then you think to yourself, no, no, because if I could just get to the water station, I know that there's gonna be water there. And if I could just get to the water station, I know they're gonna have a little bit of Powerade for me that will help give me some energy again and I'll be able to go again. If I could just get to the water station, there's gonna be some smiling faces to encourage me. If I could just get to that refuge station, there's gonna be maybe even a, a crowd cheering me on, keeping me going again. And that water station, that refuge station, just a couple of Ks out, it actually begins to drive you forward and you know, that there's hope just around the corner. There's refuge just around the corner. And I can only imagine that for the Israelites coming on to a Jubilee year, it would have been the same, only greater for them. Can you imagine approaching the 50th year? What kind of hope would begin to build in them this patient expectation of what was to come. It would have begun to drive them forward that there was hope just around the corner. Imagine those in debt or enslaved and how much the excitement. Imagine those who had lost everything due to a famine or have been cheated out of their land and and their possessions, everything. Can you imagine the hope that would begin to stir as they approached the 50th year, as they waited for that redemption time to begin to come? And the beautiful thing, the beautiful thing for you and I is that because Christ and what He did on the cross through His death and resurrection, because Christ has opened the door for a jubilee life for all of us, we know that we can always look forward with hope and expectation because Christ has secured it for us. We don't have to wait a 50th year, oh no. We can have hope every single day and that hope, it begins to drive us forward in seasons when we're feeling tired, in seasons where we feel we're experiencing pain in our journey, in seasons like 2020, where there's so much change and uncertainty. Because of Christ, we can always carry a hope and expectation that there is refuge just around the corner. Now, hope is commonly known and understood as a wish. 
You know, we use it like that, don't we? It's a strong desire for something good to happen. We say things like, I hope I pass my exam. We say things like, I hope, I, I hope you get better soon. We say, I hope we get the house, don't we? We use the word hope like that. And yet, I think biblical hope is different. See, biblical hope isn't just a wishing for good things to take place. No, no, no. Biblical hope is an expectation that good things are coming. That through Christ, I can know and I can be secure in the knowledge that through Him, there is a purpose and a plan and a redemption story in my future. The hope that you and I have is a confident expectation that we serve a God who is secure in His promises and He is faithful to fulfil His Word. In 2 Corinthians 3 verse 12, it says this, it says, Since then we have such a hope, we can act with great boldness. I really like that. Because we have hope, we can act with great boldness. So it means that because I have hope, I can believe that even though the doctor's report says one thing, that my God has the final say. And because I have hope, I can believe that even though to my physical eye, what I look at now in this world, the situation looks bad, the situation looks impossible, but I know and I can have hope that actually with God, all things are possible. And because I have hope, I can know that even though it looks bad now, this is not the end of the story. Because I have hope, I can believe with boldness of good things to come. I can always look forward with hope. Number three, the final thought that I've got for us today is because Christ has opened a jubilee life for every single one of us, we can have this final assurance that there is a but God coming. There is a but God coming. Have you ever felt like you've received an answer to prayer, but not the answer? You've received an answer, but it wasn't the answer. I can remember a situation a few years ago and Steve and I were praying for something for our family that we desperately desired for our family. And we were prayed and we prayed and we prayed and prayed for a couple of years. And finally, we got an answer to the prayer. But if we were really honest, when we looked at the situation, we were grateful for the answer. But to be truthful, it wasn't actually the ultimate answer that we were really, really hoping for. And I can clearly remember having a conversation with God and I was a little bit embarrassed at my disappointment with the answer that we were given. And so I was having this conversation with God about it and I can remember the whisper in my heart. And He said to me this, He said, I haven't finished yet. I haven't finished yet. This is just the middle of your miracle. And I wonder if too often you and I get fall, we fall into the trap of giving up and bailing out before the miracle has had a chance to work its way through. You ever stopped at one of those stop go signs at the um, roadworks? 
Sometimes there's a man there with a stop go sign. And nowadays there's often a traffic light system there where they'll have a, a red light or a green light. Have you ever stopped at one of those stop go signs in the middle of the night on a country road, like in the middle of nowhere? What is it about stopping at one of those stop go lights in the middle of the night in a country road where it's black and you can't see anything, that just makes you feel really uneasy. And you always begin to wonder, I don't know, maybe this is just me, but I always begin to wonder, do they know I'm here? Does this light know that I'm sitting here waiting? Because I feel like I've been waiting like forever. And you sit at this green light and you're hoping, this red light, and you're hoping that the, the man inside the light knows that you're sitting there and that it's gonna change to red, but you sit and you sit and you wait and you wait and you start to think, maybe I should just go. Maybe there's no one else coming through. Uh, what should, you know, maybe the sensor didn't, didn't trigger when I, when I rocked up to this light. So you start rolling back and forth over the sensor again, trying to like make it happen. We begin to think that maybe they've forgotten that we sat there and we're gonna be sitting there all night long. You know, life can be a little bit like that. It can be a little bit like sometimes sitting at the stop-go section of the roadworks in the middle of the night, in the middle of nowhere. Some seasons it feels like we're just sitting at this stop sign for so long, we begin to wonder if God's forgotten that we sat there. If God's forgotten that we're sitting there waiting for our promise, waiting for our miracle, waiting for that breakthrough that we have been believing for. Can I tell you that often, often when we think there's an end, I get the feeling that God is only just beginning. That when we think God is holding us up with a stop and a final stop, that oh no, God is simply in the middle of making a miracle work its way through. See, I have come to experience a God that where we would put a full stop, He's actually placed a but. He's actually placed a but because Scripture is full of but God moments. In Genesis 50 verse 20, it says, You intended to harm me, but God intended for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. In Psalm 49 verse 15, it says, But God will redeem my life from the grave. In Psalm 73 verse 26, it says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. In Isaiah 40 verse 8, it says, The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the Word of God stands forever. Matthew 19 verse 26, it says, With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Acts chapter 2, but God raised Him from the dead. Romans 6 verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 27, but God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. And 2 Timothy verse, chapter 2 verse 9, it says, for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal, but God's Word is not changed. I'm coming to a close now with this message and I'm gonna pray for you in just a moment. 
But I think maybe some of you out there watching, wherever you're watching this from today, I wonder if some of you need a reminder that there's a but God coming, a but God moment coming in your life. A but God moment of restoration and redemption as God begins to unfold His return policy in your life. Do not give up. Don't give up. He's not finished yet. And I wanna encourage you today to hold on to hope as you look forward with hope because of what Christ has achieved and secured for every single one of us. And that maybe, just maybe, Christ wants to come in and disrupt your life in such a way that we are never the same again. Would you allow me to pray for you as we close today? God, I thank You for every single person who is watching this message today. Wherever they are watching from, whoever they are watching with, Lord. And I just wanna lift up their situation and their circumstance to You now, God. You know exactly what it is. You know who they are and You know what they're walking through right now. And Lord, all over our globe, we're facing a circumstance that none of us ordered, that we didn't see coming. And that Lord, if we're really honest, we just wanna return to sender. But God, right now, we thank You so much that You are a God who deals in redemption and restoration. And that because of that, we can have hope. And so right now, I'm just believing that there are some people in their living rooms that just need an injection of hope right now. You're about to give up and you're, you're feeling like there's an end to something when really what God intends for you is a but God moment of hope coming. And I just wanna pray over every single one of you right now that hope would be restored in your heart Hope would be restored in your mind and your soul, in your being and in your home. Lord, that you are, I thank you, God, that you never leave them, you never forsake them. And because of your presence and your power in our life, God, we know that even though our story says one thing, we know that it's not the end of a story and you have the power to turn all things for good for those who love you and are called according to your purposes. And we just believe that today in Jesus' Name. I just wanna take one more moment to speak to a particular group of people. And perhaps today you're watching this service and maybe it's the first time you're watching it or maybe you've been tuning in for a long time, but you've never actually made the decision to invite Jesus into your life and to make that decision for yourself. And I just wanna take a moment now, I'm gonna pray a prayer in just a moment because you know the ultimate redeem and restore policy that God's got for every single one of us is eternal life. It's His gift of eternal life. That's His ultimate redemption plan because every single one of us, we've made mistakes. We've lived our own life. We've turned our life away from God and we've tried to live it our own way and we've made mistakes and we've sinned, the Bible calls it, and we've turned our backs on God. And that sin, it separates us from Him, but 
God loves us so much so and His greatest desire is that we would live in relationship with Him today and spend eternity with Him as well. And because that was His greatest desire and because of His great love for us through His mercy and grace, He sent His Son Jesus to live a sinless life and then die a sinner's death on a cross to take the debt that you and I were due and He paid it all. Can you hear the the, the, jubilee, the Messiah's Jubilee ringing in there. He paid it all, all our debt wiped clean and we could come and live in relationship with Him and have eternity with Him. And I'm gonna pray a prayer and I'm gonna invite you, wherever you are sitting at home, I'm gonna invite you to pray that prayer along with me and say yes to Jesus today. Are you ready? Let's pray together. Lord, We thank You that You love us. Jesus, I thank You for going to the cross for me. I thank You that You took the debt that I was due and You paid it all. I ask You now to come into my life. I thank You for Your forgiveness today. And I choose this day to turn from my old way of life and I turn to a new life with You. Thank You that through You, I can have a future and a hope, a promise and a purpose. I choose this day to follow You. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. Can I tell you, we're so proud of you. And in just a moment, Steve's gonna come and he's gonna tell you what to do as we would love to be able to help you on your journey. But we want you to know today, we think that is the best decision that you could ever make. Be blessed, everybody. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Centre podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancentre.org.nz